Hello, New Jersey Devils fans and Washington Capitals fans. It is Julia Kender from Locked on Devils. And I'm Nikki from Locked on Caps. And we're here today because we're doing a few of these collabs a week because we want to bring you guys some fun, you know, off the wall kind of content because it's been really hard with everything going on um, to not focus on it. So we try to break this up and break up all of the bad news and give you some fun, good sports news, even if there is no sports news, right? (laughs) As best we can, right? We try to like bring everything back to sports in some way, as difficult as that may be. For Devils fans, if you, so last year, Curtis Gabriel was a New Jersey Devil and he made a very big impact on the community. So, and Washington Capitals fans, if you want to take a look at this too, it's great. Uh, Curtis Gabriel just did a podcast with his brother on mental health um, and mental health right now um, is so important. And it's a very good podcast, and I highly recommend it. So if you guys want to hop over to Ian Gabriel's uh, podcast after this, I highly suggest it. They have some really good insights on mental health and how to stay healthy right now. I love that. I'll have to give that a listen. Um, that's something yeah. I've been advocating for like so heavily right now. I mean, always, but um, mental health right now is a really, really big problem, and I think that it's kind of sad because taking a back burner because obviously people are so worried about um, their physical health, which is so important right now, but it's important to make sure the topic of mental health is being discussed um, and that people know ways to cope. Um, myself and Julia, we're literally just talking about how my normal coping mechanisms are right now aren't available. So um, I think it's great that athletes are using their platform and speaking out on ways to handle situations like this. Yeah, I think it's really, really important for us to all kind of keep track of our own mental health, but also check in with each other because you have no idea what anybody else is going through right now and how this is impacting them. And every person's feelings right now are valid. So if you check in with your friends, even just like once a week being like, hey, thinking of you, that can go such a long way. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, something I've discussed before, too, is being understanding of the response that you may get. Um, Some people may appear to be a little bit cold or not as bubbly and friendly as you're used to. Um, I think it's important to know how to handle that and how to not let that upset you, um, because we're all in just such unprecedented territory right now. Um, And I know that, you know, one issue, too, is that People think that because we're all at home and we're not doing anything, air quotes, um, <laughs> that we should be automatically available. Um, and I think that that really plays into mental health. Like, it's okay to pause before you answer a text message. It's okay to say no to a phone call or a Zoom uh, happy hour. Um, and I think that understanding why your friend might say no or, you know, understanding why they might take a little while to answer a text is important as well. And those check-ins are crucial, but also, you know, understanding why someone might respond in a certain way. Um, I know that's something that I struggle with sometimes and I'm dealing with issues. I kind of tend to shut down um, and I never want my friends to think like, oh, like I'm not a you or I think less of you. I just think that's what a lot of people do when they get overwhelmed mentally. 
So I think that's important to remember right now, because even though we're all at home and you could say, oh, well, you're not doing anything. Why aren't you answering my text? Um, sometimes answering a text is hard mentally. <laughs> so um, I think that just checking in and being kind and patient with people is just so important right now. That is such a good point because sometimes I'll get a text and it'll just be like overwhelming for some reason and I don't know why and I don't want to reply to it right away or an email. Oh my gosh, I got an email from my professor the other day and he was like, hey, checking in, how are you doing? And I was like, I don't want to reply to this. Yeah, (laughs) no, it's so valid. Like, I totally get that. It's just hard sometimes. And so just being understanding of each other and also understanding that everybody's in different situations right now. Um, yes. Because like some people are still working. Some people are out of a job completely. Like you don't know what people are going through and not everybody wants to be open about it. So, yeah. you know, respecting that too is huge. Yeah. And respecting that, you know, not everyone is in a safe space right now. I think that for myself, I'm extremely lucky to have an incredible family um, and have, you know, I was able to get up with my family in New Jersey to quarantine with them before everything shut down. But not everyone is as lucky as that. And some people, for them, school is their safe space. For some, you know, high school and middle school students, school is the only place to get a warm meal. Um, So I think that we also need to be understanding that there's people dealing with big life issues that don't even, you know, it's not just the virus, it's the impact from that. So that's also so important and just making sure that everyone is safe um, and, you know, not around people that are going to put them into any danger physically or mentally. I think that's something really important and something that I didn't even realize um, until I actually saw a few tweets and Twitter can be so toxic, but also bring a lot of really good points. to the forefront sometimes and I think that was something that I thought was really important is that you know not everyone is going somewhere safely so just be you know aware of it I think that's a good point yeah my dad works for a university in Philadelphia and they have some kids staying on campus even though campus is shut down because it's just safer for them and I think that's a really cool thing that that university is doing um giving the students an option to stay on campus where most universities were like get your stuff and get out um so I think that's really cool they kept some residence halls open for these for these students that don't have the safest home life yeah, I think that's so important. And like for students that live, um, you know, in other countries, I went to a school right outside of DC and we had a very diverse campus. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of students from different parts of Asia. And I know that when, you know, travel got restricted pretty early on, there were students that, you know, weren't able to return home. So I think it's so important that schools are allowing people to stay on campus because some kids really have to know where to go. Yeah. All right, switching gears now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I want to talk today a little bit about how we each got into sports and then how we got into working in sports. Okay, awesome. So what what was like the moment for you that you were like hooked on hockey? I'm trying to think of if there was a specific moment. I feel like I really did. It sounds so corny, but I grew up with hockey. I mentioned my own podcast a little bit. My relationship with my grandpa on my dad's side was not really the best. 
my dad never really had a great relationship with his own father, um, but my grandpa loved hockey. Um, my grandpa enlisted, you know, that love of hockey to my dad, um, and my dad gave it to me. So I think that when I was little, it was kind of a way for me to feel connected to my father because I really didn't have any any other relationship with him. Um, and even now, like, my grandpa has passed away, but it's still, I feel like that's something that I got from him because I didn't really ever get anything else out of, you know, our relationship. So that's what kind of grew that love and when I was little. And I think that going to lots of games with my dad when I was younger, and I used to go to a lot of Phantoms games with my mom and dad when I was really little. We didn't have a ton of money and we really couldn't afford to go to Flyers games. So we would go to Phantoms games and we, you know, pretended it was just like going to a pro game. We like were super excited. I mean, I had Phantoms like year. Um, so I think that's also like a really big deal. I think that was like a one of the most amazing moments in working in sports is when I was credentialed with the Phantoms because, you know, that was the first like semi pro live hockey I ever got to see when I was little. and I love that team so much. So that was like surreal for me to sit in that press box and cover that team. And um, yeah, I just, it was my family for sure um, who got me into hockey. And every part of my life, hockey has been there. And it sounds, like I said, so corny and so cheesy, but it's kind of brought everything good in my life. And, you know, it's always been there for me. When I went to college, I had a really hard time sitting in. And I'm really close with my family. And it was hard for me to be away at the Capitals kind of made me feel like home and I had a community within them and a family. Um, and when I moved to Chicago, you know, I was struggling with a bad relationship. Uh, we lived really close to where the Blackhawks play at the United Center. And, you know, I was able to go to a good amount of games. And I always just kind of felt safe there. Um, so I think within that love of hockey grew the desire to work in hockey. Um, how did you get into hockey? And like, what was the first moment you were like, I love this sport, I love this game? So there are two, two factors that played into me getting into hockey. I was reading a book and it was a book series. And one of the girls, I was such a tomboy growing up. You have to understand this. I like played lacrosse. <laughs> I like, I don't know. I was just such a tomboy. I wore like baggy shorts all the time. Like such a tomboy. And this one girl in the book, there were four girls, and this one girl was such a tomboy, and she played hockey, and I thought it was, like, the coolest thing. And my dad loves hockey. Like, he loves the Flyers. Um, He's just huge into hockey. And I was like, this would be really cool to get into, and I could kind of bond with my dad over this because we already bond over lacrosse, so why not? And I just – one, it was (laughs) – It was in the middle of the 2009-2010 season for the Flyers, which was a very big season for the Flyers. And I just started watching one day and I would ask my dad all these questions and he would be very, like, very kind and answer all of my questions and, like, help me understand. And then one day he called me on his way home from work and was like, guess where we're going Saturday? And I was like, where? And he's like, the Flyers-Islanders game. And he got us tickets. His friend has season tickets. So we were, like, very close to the pony box. Um... It was like the coolest experience. Um, 
I I remember there was a player, uh, his name was Stoner, and he played for the Islanders, and like everyone around us were like was like screaming Stoner, and my dad was like, oh no. Because <laughs> I was like 10 or 11. Yeah. Um, but it was like it was just that game was just so crucial and it's like in my ingrained in my brain like seeing how fast everything was and seeing just the game in action in front of me um and that whole season I went to my first playoff game that season I went to a bunch of games with my dad with my mom um and that season really was the season I kind of fell in love with hockey and ever since then I've been huge into the flyers I've made friends because of hockey I'm making a career out of it. So that's like my little hockey story. I love that. And I feel like it's so so (laughs) You're just in love at that point. Yeah. And I love how we both got into it because of our families. Yeah. I love that. Like, that's what makes it so special, you know? Yeah. Um, Okay. So now... I want to talk about how we got into working in sports because being a fan and working in sports are two completely different things. Um, When you're working in sports, you have to be unbiased. You can't be a fan. Like you can't cheer in the press box and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very different environment. So what made you think that you wanted to work in sports? How'd you find that out? Yeah. So my whole life, I kind of, I wanted to be a pop star. Who doesn't? (laughs) I thought that I wanted to be a journalist in some regard. I thought if I could go to sporting events or concerts for a living, that would be absolutely incredible. So I started university with a major in communications, and I thought, hey, this is a good treadmill major. I, you know, kind of do if I wanted to do PR in the music industry communications major is where it's at if I wanted to go into journalism like that works as well um I don't know why I just said journalism like that but it's okay (laughs) um so I just kind of thought that I was a good general um place to start without just going in you know undecided I don't know why I felt the need at 17 to plan my whole life out but here we were um so my first semester um, I did a lot in music, and I've done a lot in the music industry in my life as well. I interned for a record label um, in Chicago, and I've done the backstage deal for uh, multiple festivals and concerts, and I love it. It's my happy place, but I could never do that as a full-time job. Um, that sex, drugs, rock and roll is very, very real. Um, and, you know, in my future, I would love to have a family and love to have a semi-normal life. And I just kind of knew that I would never have it if I worked in music. And I also, I find live music to be a little bit of like my happy place. Uh, it's a really good escape for me. And I didn't know if I wanted to mesh work with that, so to speak. Um, because like you said, when you're working, you have to be professional. Uh, and when I was backstage at the festivals or hanging out with, I have a lot of friends that are in music. Like, I didn't want to be professional. I wanted to have fun. <laughs> so I kind of young, you know, I was like 19, 20, I realized that path was not for me so I stepped back and I thought well what's something else that I really love but that's a little bit different a little more tame <laughs> and then I decided the sports 
uh, you know, sports journalism. So I had taken a lot of sports media classes because I just loved it. Uh, so I was able to double major in sports management um, without taking too, too, too many extra courses. Uh, so I could still graduate in four years. And yeah, that's where, I mean, it really became a dream. After I worked at the record label in Chicago, I worked for a company called International Sports Management. Uh, we did sports marketing and uh, set up events for the Super Bowl and the World Series. Um, it was my first step into the sports world. It was long hours and awful pay, but I was happy. I loved it. I loved my coworkers. I loved the environment. I loved getting to talk about sports all day. Um, it was incredible. And then I was in a really emotionally abusive relationship and I had to leave Chicago pretty abruptly. Uh, it was a really, really dark point in my life. And uh, I moved out when I was 18. I'm very independent and self-sufficient. And suddenly I was back with my parents at 22 years old and had no idea what I was going to do or what I could do. And um, I started to talk her up. <laughs> I like get emotional talking about this. Um, but I just started a blog and I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I just knew that I wanted to be able to talk about sports. And if I couldn't find anyone to hire me, then I would do it for myself. So, um, you know, it started with just a little bit of a dream. And then I met Alexa Hilton a few months later and it turned into a company. Um, and, you know, now I just realized how important it is for women to have a voice in sports. So I think that, you know, there's no way I would ever give up or stop following my dreams to work in sports. And, um, it's hard, but I love it. <laughs> and it's a kind of weird, crazy path that led me to this, but here we are. <laughs> um, what about you? What, you know, kind of was that defining moment for you where you knew like you wanted to work in sports in some aspect? You're making me get emotional over here because like <laughs> I know you so well. And like just hearing you talk about everything is like making me get emotional, but uh, <laughs> I'll compose myself. Um, I so I kind of knew early on that I wanted to be a journalist because I always really liked writing. Um, I like to think my first playoff game, it was May 5th, 2010. I was very young and I went to the Flyers Bruins game three, which the Flyers lost. And my dad and I couldn't find parking because there was also a Phillies game going on. Um, so we were driving around and driving around. I was super car sick. And we finally got into the arena halfway through period two. And my dad felt so bad. And we get in, we get in there. And it's the tribute to Ian LaPerriere because he had just gotten a puck to the face earlier in the season. And there was like a standing ovation. And I looked at my dad and I was like, that's like if we don't see anything else tonight like I'm I'm glad I got to see that and I like to think that that's the moment that I knew that like sports were just more than me being a fan um and then when I got to college I saw this really life-changing documentary called Let Them Wear Towels and it's about women not being allowed in the locker rooms and I was like outraged almost I was like this is ridiculous that they had to go through that that they've been fighting this much it was my first journalism class as a student in college that I saw this and I was like 
I always knew that sports was like an option for me, but that was when I was like, this is where, this is what I'm going to do now. Like I'm, I went to my advisor and I was like, I'm changing my major from regular journalism to sports journalism. Um, I started taking sports classes. I met people in my major who I love. Um, there were only like two other girls in my major and like three other guys. Like we're a very tiny major at my school. Um, but we were all very close. And I don't know, ever since those two defining moments, I've I knew that sports was like gonna be my my path. Yeah, so. I, I love that. I love I love hearing about people's journeys to sports, especially people that like I love and care for because it's we all have such different paths and journeys and you know, as women it is a little bit more difficult and it's uh, you know, it's scary sometimes to work in sports, but I think it's so important that, you know, as women, we stay and we show that we belong. Um, I also, I had a sports communication class that um, was the hardest class, not sports communication, I'm sorry, it was sports and society. Um, and it was the hardest class I ever took in college. The teacher I could not stand at the time because I thought he was such a hard ass, um, but really, I mean, his words stick with me to this day and you know the things that he stood for and um you know talking about him himself as a minority and in sports and um you know his whole life his struggles that he had, had been through and how important sports and society was um I did not do well in that class because it was so hard but it stuck with me and it was such a you know important important part so man it's crazy this industry no it's crazy how like certain teachers can impact you so much right and they don't even like i mean for me i didn't even know it at the time uh and now you know it's just it's insane it is crazy (laughs) i don't know you probably don't know like the athletic writer adam johns he writes about the bears he taught my sports class my sports journalism class and oh my god that's so cool it was really cool uh he's like the best I love him um and he was one of the best professors that I've ever had I learned so much from him and I I just so that those days were Tuesdays and I had a six hour class in the morning and then I would go to his three hour class after an hour break to get food And I would be so beaten down from this first class. Like this other professor was like, my way or the highway and your writing is not up to par and you're not writing well because it's news and you're not a news writer and stuff like that. Um, And then I would get to his class and it would just be like a wave like washed over me because he was so welcoming and so positive. And he gave such good con- constructive criticism, and my writing really grew from his class. So that's just what your story reminded me of. Yeah, no, it's so important. Like professors don't realize the impact that they have on their students. So it's so great to be kind. And you know, criticism is important, and that's how we grow. But you have to be careful with the way that you word it because you can completely stifle someone's creativity and you know burn out a light in someone. I think that's. Um, you know, for me, even with Tucker Up, that's something I'm so careful with. And when girls sent me writing and, uh, you know, will send me an article and you really have to be kind and compassionate when you're editing and when you're, te- you know, telling someone what you think of their work, because you don't want to be that person that ruins someone's spirits or their dreams. So um, good professors are 
so underappreciated. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, and with that, that concludes today's podcast. Um, that's all we have time for. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Nikki, for doing this with me. This was really fun. Of course. Yeah, I love it. I feel like it's always nice talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, where can we find you, Nikki, on on social media? I am on Twitter at Nikki Giordano underscore at the Lockdown Capital Show is on Twitter at LO underscore Capitals. And be sure to give the Pucker Up Sports uh, girls a follow at Pucker Up Sports on Twitter and Instagram. It's a lot of fun hockey templates and stuff that we're all working on to help uh, help keep you a little less bored during these trying times. <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JK underscore Kender. You can find Locked on Devils at, at Locked on Devils on Twitter. And you can also follow, in addition to Pucker Up Sports, you can follow Pucker Up Philly on Twitter um, because that's my chapter. And we do a lot of really cool articles. Uh, we get four up a week. Yes, even with no nothing going on. Um, and it's been really fun. So thank you guys again for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.